listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, Today I'm dealing with um, this issue of relationships, you know, and I, I put it on Instagram. I get so bothered seeing people's lives um, either in turmoil or destroyed, whatever it might be, uh, because of the people that they've kept in their life, because of the relationships that they've got going on in their life. And you might think maybe this is not your story, but Let me assure you, after 20-some years of ministry, it's a lot of people's story. And um, I love the body of Christ. I love the people of God. I hate to see people destroyed. I hate to see people in turmoil. I hate to see people struggling. Uh, I hate it because I love people. I love the Victory Tribe. And um, one of the biggest things I've come across Uh, over 20 plus years of ministry is that people are in those situations because of the fact they let their relationships run wild. They really do. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to go into the word of God today. You know, you know, when you go on a website, like you want to buy something and uh, I do this a lot, like um, there, there, there's a, I like watches, as you guys know, there's a watch website I use that if I'm looking for something, you know how you, you, you open up the filters tab and um, you, know, you, you don't wanna look over a thousand products that the store has online. You just wanna set those specific filters so that the only the things you want or, or would be actually uh, appropriate for you to buy are showing on the screen. So you can literally just look, everything you see meets your criteria so that you can make the, the, the choice you want for your purchase. I love that, that feature of filters on any website. That is, is kind of where I'm at today with this, is um, you, you have to have filters, the active filters in your life when it comes to your relationships. Let me preface this again by saying today, um, a lot of times people just, they get lax in their life in a lot of areas, right? Um, whether that's their, the, their health, right? Their eating, their exercise, their mental state, um, you know, all, all these things, their relationships, their finances, they get lax because they don't recognize how important they are as a person. And let me stress this again, because this will make you think differently about yourself. Because the only reason people get lax like that is because they don't, they don't understand how important they are, how important their purpose is. And they think, well, it's not a big deal. You know, the reason they don't think it's a big deal is because they don't recognize how vital they are to the kingdom, how essential they are to the kingdom. And in fact, I would like to start this broadcast today uh, by you putting in the comments, I am vital to the kingdom of God. I wanna start with that. I am vital to the kingdom of God. It has to be your baseline understanding. If you don't hold that baseline understanding that God has chosen you, God's anointed you, he has purposed you, 
and he set you in place in this time right now. He could have put you at any time. He put you here now, right before Christ comes, because he's got work for you to do. And you are important. You're vital to the kingdom of God. And so don't, uh, don't ever look at yourself and uh, underestimate or undervalue yourself. That's a big mistake. And so these things happen. People get really uh, lax or lazy in these areas. You know, oh, my, my health's not that big of a deal. I was watching um, a report that came out. I watch, I watch soccer. I watch European, European soccer a lot. And um, I was watching this report that came out that this well-known soccer player, it was in the off-season, and this well-known soccer player was overseas with his girlfriend and some other friends, and they were partying, you know, um, at some resort they were staying at. And paparazzi caught him on camera and was, you know, publishing the pictures, obviously, caught him on camera and he was smoking a cigarette. And, um, you know, for most people that are, that are unsaved or, you know, not a big deal to smoke a cigarette or whatever, but his team, when they, when they saw the picture, his team actually fined him, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. And I don't know what it would be in euros or, or, um, you know, pounds sterling, but find him thousands and thousands of dollars because of the fact he was smoking that cigarette. And the reason being, if you've ever watched soccer, you recognize that those guys must be in the most, I think of any sport probably, they're in peak performance mode over any sport. Because when you look at the way soccer runs, there's no timeouts, the, the pitch or the field is larger than any other field. It's larger than football. It's bigger than a hockey arena. It's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And uh, they run and sprint nonstop. That's why they're all so lean. Even the referees have to be lean like that. So when somebody, like, like let me give you an example. When they buy a player, <laughs> you know, if they buy a player for $200 million on transfer, that's an investment. That's an investment. And so they're, they're not, they don't want their investment to come in and wreck their body with, you know, poor diet, smoking cigarettes, all these things. That's a $200 million investment in that player, right? Huge investment. And they are purchased to do a job for the team. Yeah? And so why did they find him? Because there are parameters that should be set for you as a player on staff with this team because you're called to do a job that's important. And so they find him for something as small to, in most people's minds as smoking a cigarette, right? Well, how much more you get into the kingdom? How much more important should you view your life and value yourself knowing that God's called you, you're in the army of God, you have a purpose, you have a purpose. Um, I'll break in right here because Vivian. Uh, has a, an urgent prayer request. And she said, please pray. I'm in terrible pain in my legs. Uh, the Lord got me out of a wheelchair years ago. Praise the Lord for that. But the pain is very bad. Father, we ask you now to touch Vivienne Haxel right now. Heal her. Heal her body. I, I ask you to touch her today. Remove all pain from her body in the name of Jesus Christ. Set her free. Make her whole. We thank you for it. So yes, Susan, we should hold ourselves to a higher standard than people in the world, right? If you've got somebody that's the CEO of a corporation that's running a multi 
million or multi-billion, like Apple Corporation or, or Google or something else, multi-billion dollar corporation, you better believe that they are monitoring those CEOs. You better believe that those people that are doing uh, work at that, at that high level, you better believe it, that they're watching out for what they do, what they have. They're keeping those bodies in check. Well, how much more should we view that for ourselves as the children of God? as those that are called to do the work of God. You are important, you are vital. And so you can't just let things go and say, well, you know, you know, my, my uh, it's not that big of a deal, my health's not that big of a deal. You know, my peace, my joy, my relationships, my finances, it's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal because you personally are vital to the kingdom. And I know the devil works overtime trying to make people feel like they're not, but he's a liar. He's a liar. If you've ever felt That's exactly right, Gina. Your life has value, great value, great value. So if you've ever had the enemy lie to you and make you feel as though you don't have great value, you need to reject that immediately and know what the Bible says, that you're extremely valuable in the kingdom. And that's why I'm doing this rant today because I'm so tired of seeing God's valuable children, his valuable people destroyed because they don't properly filter their relationships. You know, you go on, let's say you go on to a, a website to buy a pair of shoes. Well, obviously you're gonna filter by gender. I don't, I'm not looking at, I don't need any women's shoes, so I'm gonna choose the, the men's shoes filter. I don't, I'm not looking for dress shoes, so I'm gonna put casual. And so now all the shoes that are coming up are men's casual shoes. I don't want black shoes, I don't want cream shoes or green, I want brown, so I'm gonna hit the brown filter. And every time I click one of those uh, uh, radio boxes in the menu, it's narrowing the filter down and there's less and less options available. Look at that. The more I filter, there's less and less options available. However, the options that are available are the ones that I'm looking for, right? As I filter down the list, yes, there's less options available, but they're options that I'm looking for. They're options that are right for me. I also can't just wear any men's shoes. I I can only wear my size, so I'm gonna click that box. It narrowed further. Now I I may have started with 1,100 products on the website, but now, after I've put all these filters in, I'm down to 85 products, 85 products. I went from 1,100 to 85 products. Why? I put filters in place and the filters are important because not all the shoes are for me. Not all the shoes are for me. Even if, now I know that the women's shoes are not for me, but even if they were men's shoes, not all the men's shoes are for me. They're not gonna do what I need them to do. So you know, let's say, for example, I was going to a wedding. I need, I need a great pair of black dress shoes. Well, I'm not, not everything's going to work for that situation. I can't just wear white sneakers. I can't wear cream, you know, chuck of boots. I have to have something that's going to be appropriate for the wedding. So not everything's for me. Not everything's for you. And though you could wear those shoes, they're not for this purpose. That's what I'm getting to today, is that just because you can be friends with everybody, just because you can allow just anybody into your life doesn't mean you should because there is a purpose uh, for your life and the enemy will send people to destroy you. The enemy will send people to hold you back from what you're called to do. You have to be able to recognize that. 
And so, so listen to this today. Um, I've said this on the broadcast. Let me say it again. I heard a minister say this one time. I'll never forget it. He said, when God wants to bless you, he sends a person into your life. But when the devil wants to curse you, he sends a person into your life. And it's the same method with two different outcomes. When God sends a person, it'll bless you. When the enemy sends a person, it will uh, bring a curse into your life. And so same method, two different outcomes. So you have to be discerning and you've got to set those filters in place. I'm going to help you today because I'm going to give you seven filters that you should check off when somebody is, whether they're trying to gain entrance, entrance into your life or you're considering maybe somebody that's already been in your life for a long time. Let me tell you, this is what happens. Well, you know, we've been friends since high school. Yeah, well, that was 25 years ago. And they have, you look at them, they have no desire to go where you're going, to do what you're doing. They don't care about following the word of God. They don't care about uh, obeying God's commands. They don't care about any of that. And so let me just give you something right off the bat that's dangerous. It's dangerous to just remain friends with somebody for the sake of nostalgia. Let me say that again, write it in your notes. Please put it in the comments today. It's dangerous to remain friends with someone for the sake of nostalgia. Doesn't mean you have to completely blacklist them. But what am I talking about when I'm defining these today? I'm talking about friends that you have regular interaction with, almost day to day, definitely every week. People that you would consider close to you. That's who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about acquaintances and all this other stuff, coworkers. I'm talking about those you allow, you've allowed into your life that are close to you, that you, they, you, they have access to you, they speak to you, they spend time with you. That's who I'm talking about. So put it in. It is dangerous to remain friends with someone for the sake of nostalgia. Well, we've been friends since middle school. I've known them, you know, for a long time. Great. That doesn't, just because you've known a person for a long time does not qualify them to spend time in your life. I know that's a hard truth for people to hear because people get that way. Well, but, but I've known him forever. I've known him forever. Great. Great. But do they meet these criteria that we're getting ready to talk about? Because if they don't, then what's the point? First of all, life is too short to waste on things that have no value. And I'm not talking about the people have no value, but when relationships have no value, it's not that the person doesn't have value, they have value also, but the relationship with the person has no value. It's not producing anything that's pleasing to God. It's not producing anything that's pushing you forward. Please don't misunderstand that. I'm not saying that these people don't have value. They're valuable to God. They're valuable to this earth. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the relationship you would have with them is doesn't have value. It's not producing. And I'm going to explain to you why. So uh, I, let me give you today in this rant, let me give you seven filters that you can just put in place. And I, and I don't think that's too many. I think when you hear every one of these, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's, that's actually true. Every single one of these matter. Every one of these seven. And you should look at it. And again, think about this too. Because don't forget something, you're someone's friend too. I'm someone's friend too. So when I'm actually setting these filters in place, I also need to be asking, am I that person? 
Am I that person? Am I the person that's doing this all the time and others are going to have to put the filter on me? Right? So don't just use it when you're looking outwardly. Be introspective while we talk about these seven and say, hold on, am I that person? Am I that person? So let's jump into these. I'll give you scripture as well, but you need to put these filters in place immediately and don't delay. Your life's too important and you have, time is so short and it's flying by. It's flying by. And so let me, uh, let me deal, the, deal with these seven and we'll, uh, and we'll give you scripture for these as well to help you a lot. Number one, are you ready? Number one, the people that are in your life as friends that you consider to be close to you need to be saved. <laughs> they need to be Christians. They need to be Christians. Say, well, brother, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. I get that. I understand that Jesus ministered to, uh, but remember something, everyone was a sinner <laughs> in that sense when Jesus was alive. He hadn't died yet. He had not resurrected yet, right? And so the people that were uh, disciples of Christ, catch this, they were following Christ. And then, of course, Judas, for example, had to do what he did to carry out Bible prophecy. But until that place where he fell into that, he was following Christ. He was actually seeing signs and wonders and miracles like the rest of the apostles. Judas was one of the 12 that saw signs, wonders, and miracles, and he was one of the 70 that came back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us. Number one, they need to be saved, Christians. They need to be Christians. So, but, but think about this. Even with the disciples, those were the ones closest to Christ, right? Doesn't mean you're never going to have dinner with someone that's an unbeliever ever again in your life. I'm not saying that. Again, hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about coworkers. I'm not talking about people that are acquaintances. You're going to come in contact with people, but I'm talking about those who have access into your life, spending time with you, speaking to you. These are people in your life on a weekly basis, right? They need to be Christians. Without question, it's sad that you have to tell people that, but you do. Because there's people, they'll get saved. Watch this now. There's people that'll get saved and they'll go right back to hanging with the, all their unsaved friends. I wonder what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. They're going to get pulled back into a life of sin. That's what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to go back there. People think they're going to go back. I'm going to go back there. And, and great, if you win them all to Jesus, that's what you should do. But you can't go back and hang with them and continue to do all the same things you used to do with the people you used to hang with. Behold, all things have become new. So if all things are new in your life, then you need to reflect that even in your relationships. Right? They need to be Christians. Let me, let me read to you Paul's command. And, and Cass is asking a very important question. What about family saved or not saved? You don't cut family out of your life. Obviously. Now you can limit, you can limit. One of the things that um, I've had to talk to people about is boundaries with their families. Um, you know, you might be the first one in your family that gets saved and you've got children and you've got, you know, people in your family that are in no way following Christ and they're, they're living lives that you don't want to live. You don't want your children to see that. Well, you can obviously limit those things. And you can just let them know, listen, I love you, uh, but we're not going to have that. I'm trying to raise my children to follow Jesus, and we disagree with, with that. And so you might have family that, 
they're, they're getting high all the time. That's not a big deal. You know, we're just, you know, I like a bag of reefer on the weekend. You know, they might, that might be their lifestyle. They're coming home drunk or whatever it might be. There's a lot of drinking going on in the house. You know, I understand that stuff. I understand that happens. But you're like, listen, I'm not having my children come hang out at your house, you know, with all that stuff going on. You got vulgar, you got vulgar, foul mouth people hanging out over, over there. I'm not sending my kids over there. So we're family. You're, I'm uncle so-and-so. I'm, I'm the grandfather. Fine. Come over here and spend time with the grandkids. You see what I mean? You can limit it. It's not, you love them. You care for them. You pray for them. Right. But let me tell you, let me tell you something. It's important. It's important to set those boundaries. It's very important to set those boundaries. And so uh, you have to just let it. Yeah. Hunter said, I had to tell certain family that I don't gossip and I limit my time around those people because that's what the people, if they're going to sit around and gossip, I'm not sticking around for that. I dealt with it yesterday. I'm not going to stick around uh, for that. Absolutely, Cass, I will pray. And so uh, people that you hang with, they need to be saved. I need believers in my life. But let me read you Paul's command to the Corinthian church. Are you ready for this? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and starting with verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil, Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. You see that? Go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll welcome you and I'll be a father to you. And you'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. That's a very clear command. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. By the way, this passage is not talking about dating or marriage. I know people use that all the time, like, you know, and and they should, because you shouldn't, obviously, if you don't want to be friends with an unbeliever in that way and give them access to your life, I'm not going to go out and date an unbeliever or marry one. Right now, listen, if you're already married to an unbeliever and you got saved while you were married to them, you're not called to divorce them. The Bible is very clear about that. You don't divorce them. You stay with them and you pray for them and believe God for their salvation. But I'm talking about if you're single, you don't go out and uh, start dating an unbeliever. You don't go out and marry an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked, right? And so you're supposed to come out from among them and be separated, separated. So number one, you've got to remember this. The people in your life need to be saved. They need to be Christians. You say, oh, brother, that's very elitist of you. No, no, that's what the Bible commands. Because remember this, there's always going to be a tension. Think of it this way. If they're, if they're, uh, that's got to be Pastor Brian Tomes. If... Crossroads Community Church. If their spirit is dead in trespasses and in sins, right? If their spirit is dead in trespasses and in sins and your spirit is alive in Christ, then remember something. Their spirit is going to pull them 
toward doing things that uh, are contrary to the will of God. But if your spirit is regenerated, if you're a Christian, then your spirit is going to pull you toward doing things that are pleasing to God. Now, you link those two people up. We are now linked. There's always going to be a tension because their spirit is pulling towards displeasing to God, your spirit pulling towards pleasing to God. You've linked yourself in the middle and there's going to be a pulling and a tugging for your entire relationship. Your entire relationship. And there's going to be frustration and there's going to be, uh, and, and one, one, someone's going to either have to give or there's going to have to be a separation. And I'm saying, let there be a separation. Let there be a separation. If somebody, and they don't, they won't respond to the gospel. They won't, they won't respond, you know, they don't respond to Christ. Then let, let there be a separation. Don't link yourself up with people that their lives are just displeasing to God. In fact, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very serious about this because I understand how important your life is. I, I understand how important your purpose is. You don't have time. And remember this on top of, I also know that not everybody I'm speaking to or that's listening to me on the podcast is, you know, a mature believer that's been serving God 20 years. I recognize that there are uh, immature believers. There's baby Christians that listen. And, and let me tell you this. This happens a lot. Pastor Brian is on. And Pastor Brian, I'm going to say something about Pastor Brian Tomes. He's a, he's a great pastor. And he's done a great job of seeing people saved in his community. And so one of the things I like when I go to Crossroads to preach is that they have a mixture of mature believers that have been serving the Lord for a while. But then I like the fact that he also has a bunch of newly saved people that are coming into the kingdom fresh out of the world that are baby Christians. But I would like, I would like to just see, I mean, he's on Facebook right now. Um, he's, I guarantee you that he's dealt with this where he has baby Christians that have just been saved, just came out of the world, but they refuse to separate themselves from their old relationships that they had before they got saved. And before you know it, they're pulled right back into the world. They're pulled right back in because they refuse to separate themselves. If that's so, Pastor Brian, let me know, put it in the comments. And I'm sure it is true because that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. They will not separate from the old life. They won't separate from the old relationships. So what happens? You go back to what your flesh knows. We always go to the bar on Friday night. We always go to the club on Saturday night. And we always sleep in on Sundays because it's our, you know, it's our day off from work. You know, we get high every once in a while because that's what we do with our friends. And, and that's what happens. You got saved, praise God. But then you went right back to doing the things that you did before you were saved, instead of recognizing you have a new creation reality. I'm a different person now. I'm a different person now. But if you don't separate, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And if you're an immature believer, if you're someone that's young in the faith, then guess what? You're not that strong in faith yet. You've got to be built in strength, built in faith, right? You've got to be built in maturity. You know, it's like, it's like, um, let me, let me just say it this way. You might laugh when I say it this way, but, um, I don't pee my pants. There are kids that do. They're like two years old kids. And you don't, you don't look at like a baby. 
or like a two-year-old and be like, how dare you pee your pants? I can't believe I opened your diaper and there was pee in there. You're not going to get ticked off on them. You're not going to get angry. I am 40 and I do not pee my pants, regardless of what anybody tells you. I do not. But, but you would, for me, it would be odd, right? But for a two-year-old, it's not odd. So what's the difference? Maturity. Growth. That's the difference. So when you look at, ba- look at a baby Christian and you see a baby Christian make mistakes, you know, remember, they're a baby. They're a baby. So you don't, you're, you're going to look at them and say, you don't treat a baby Christian the same way that you would somebody that's been saved 20 years, that's had the teaching. That's why the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. I require more of an adult than I do a two-year-old. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's right. That's a good way to say it. Pastor Brian Tome says, it's a new life, not a cleaned up old life. That's right. Put that in the comments. It's a new life, not a cleaned up old life. Very good way to say it. You're a new creation. Put that in the comments. It's a new life, not a cleaned up old life. Excellent point. I like that. It's a new life, not a cleaned up old life. So I'm not going to hold a baby to the same level that I hold an adult. And there's baby Christians. You're not going to get ticked off and say like, get out of the church. It's like, they're a baby. They're learning to to live in Christ. I don't get mad at a a baby or a two-year-old because they peed their pants or diaper. But I would look at an adult that was always peeing themselves and be like, what is your deal? You, You have a problem. Right? You have a problem. You need to get that figured out. You shouldn't be peeing yourself every day when you're 40 years old. You have a problem. Go figure out what it is. And that's the difference between immaturity and maturity. Sorry if that's gross for you to hear, but it's just true. And so you have, you have things. But when you're a baby, you've got to be taught. You've got to mature. And that's what's happening with baby Christians. So I listen, I get the fact that they are learning how to live for Jesus. They're learning how to live for Jesus. But then you got people that have been in the church 20 years. They shouldn't still be learning how to live for Jesus. Should have that locked down at 20 years into the kingdom. You see what I mean? But when you're, uh, that's why it's so much more vital when you're a baby Christian that you keep these relationships in check and you're not out hanging with unsaved people all the time. Making them part of your your weekly routine. Well, we've been friends since middle school. Who cares? Who cares? It's not enough to lose your future over. It's not enough to lose your eternity over. Well, he's been my buddy for so long. Okay, well, your your buddy knocks over 7-Elevens on the weekend with a ski mask. It's probably time to separate. Your buddy's getting drunk every other day, acting wild. It's probably not a good time to form a tight bond again. So they need to be saved. That's number one. And, you know, I know I talked about that for a little while, but it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Number two, and this, I think this is a very important one. The second filter, number two filter for your friends is that your friends need to show some form of purpose. They need to be purposed. They need to be purposed. You say, what do you mean by that? They're operating in purpose. Why is that? 
Because the Bible says where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Or the, as the King James says, people perish. But, but really, the newer translations translate it more accurately. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. They have no restraint. They just do whatever. And you know who I'm talking about. People that do, they just wander through life. I don't need friends like that. Never know where they're supposed to be. Never know what they're supposed to do. Just wandering from one thing to another. Ending up going from one crisis to another. Always frustrated. Always dumping that on you. I just never know. It's like, dude, I love you, but you got no purpose. And it's like, the reason people stay like that is because they won't receive instruction. They won't receive instruction. They won't receive correction. They don't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And they are, that's right, Kieran, and they are unstable. They're unstable. They need purpose. They need to have some sort of purpose because I'm not tying myself down with people who are just going to wander through their whole life. You'll be frustrated along with them. Let me just promise you that right now. You will be frustrated along with them. And you're not called to be frustrated. My friends need to show purpose. Why? I need, remember this, there should be uh, congruence, if I can say it that way. I want to be congruent with my other friends. I want to be headed in the same direction. You know, they've already proven this, that you will be the sum total, or the average, I should say, of the five people you hang around the most. Your life will become the average of the five people you hang around with the most. That's why it's very vital very vital that you are discerning about who you give access to your life. And they obviously they better be saved, but number two, they better be purposed. Have some sort of purpose and be following after that purpose. Amen. I don't want, I don't want people that, that, that have cast off restraint, that are just doing whatever all the time. I, in fact, I'm looking over my life. I don't have, I don't spend time with anyone like that. In fact, I couldn't. It would drive me insane. It would drive me insane to always be hanging with people that like, they're just, every time you see them, they're going in a different direction. It's like, dude, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Well, you know, that I, I didn't, I just got tired of doing that and that didn't work out and I'm, I'm going to do this now and, I'm, and now I'm, not, I'm done with that. I'm doing this. It's like, dude, I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. It's because I'm not just called to strengthen my friends. They're called to strengthen me, right? Friendship is a two-way street. Friendship is a two-way street. They're not, I'm not just called to strengthen them. You're not just called to strengthen them. They're called to strengthen you. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 27, 17. So it, it, your friendship shouldn't be like this. You're the sharp blade and they're the dull stone. And every time you're hitting against them, it's dulling your blade. That's not true friendship. That's not true friendship. Both sides of the friendship should function together, sharpening each other, sharpening each other. That's how it should work. And so you need to get all of the, you know, the, the dull stone friends. It's like, what's the purpose of that? They've got no vision, no purpose. They're always wandering. That's so dangerous. That is, that is the opposite of how God works. 
That is the opposite of how God functions. Remember what happened to the children in the wilderness when they uh, rejected God's word, when they rejected God's way. What was their punishment? To wander. 40 years of what? Wandering. Why did they have to wander? They doubted God's word. They acted in direct disobedience to God's word and they uh, were filled with fear and unbelief. What was their, what was their uh, punishment? To wander until they died in the wilderness. So, um, man, what a thought. Put that in the comments. Wandering through life is a punishment. Wandering through life is a judgment. And it's not that God's judging you like that, but you might be bringing that judgment upon yourself, or they may be. Wandering is a judgment. God doesn't, when you obey God's purpose and, and, and word for your life, it's not going to bring you into a place of wandering through wilderness. It's going to bring you into your promise. Like it should have happened for them in days, it took them 40 years for what God could have done for them in days. Wandering through life is a judgment. And it's not that God is actively judging you, it's that you may be bringing that upon yourself or those friends that are in your life may be bringing it upon themselves through their lack of uh, receiving correction, instruction, direction, whatever. I don't have time for that. I'm not called to wander. And I'll tell you, not only am I not called to wander, I'm not called to connect myself to people that are wandering. I'm not getting pulled out of my purpose to go wander with you. <laughs> I mean, that's a funny way to say it, but it's true. I'm not getting pulled out of my purpose to go wander with you. I'm not called to wander with you. I'm not called for that. I'm not called for that. I am going somewhere specific. If I get in the car, I'm going somewhere specific. I didn't get in the car this morning and say, let's see where I end up today. I'm just going to drive around until I feel like I'm done driving. What a dumb way to live your life. Let's just see where I, let's just see where I end up. I love what Bishop Oyedepo says. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. I'm going to say that again. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. One more time. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. Dangerous. I don't have time for that kind of life. Wandering. You got to be uh, purposed, but you also have to have friends that are purposed. Number three, th third filter that, that you should put on to make sure your friends have this. They need to be faith-filled. Faith-filled. Let me say that again. Number three. Your friends need to be faith-filled. See, what do you mean by that? I don't want to be believing for a miracle and, and sitting there, I need God to come through and then have somebody that's a friend of mine show up and be like, now listen, don't get your hopes up. I know you need God to heal your body. I, need, I know you got, need God to heal your family. But listen, don't get your hopes up. I'd hate to see him dashed. You know, it doesn't, God doesn't always do that kind of stuff. You know, you need to be... I don't need friends like that. I don't need friends that every time something happens on Fox News, they're blowing up my phone. Did you see what the government did today? Did you see what they did? I don't know if you, did you see what they passed? Did you see what, you see what's getting ready to pass? You see what they're trying to pass? Did you see what's going on? 
Do you see what's happening in the Congress? It's like, I don't need someone that lives in constant fear of what's going on in the natural realm, blowing my phone up every day, all day. Did you hear, did you hear what, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what Biden did? Did you hear what Biden's trying to do right now? It's like, it's like, dude, I get it. You see what the gas prices are? Did you see, oh man, did you see how much eggs are? I don't need a friend that's just constantly moved by fear, talking fear, living fear. Amen. Amen. I need friends that are faith filled. I look at my friends. I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends, not one that's not faith filled. I wouldn't. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing in common with fear filled people. I have nothing in common with that. I can't even identify. I honestly can't even identify with it. Like going out and just being like, even during these last three years when all this stuff was happening, you know, I never went out one time. Like it's, it's hard for me to compute. I can't even compute. It's like, I, I never stopped doing anything. I never stopped flying on airplanes. I never stopped traveling. I never stopped going to the store. You know, I, anything, never stopped going to church, you know, didn't wear masks, went, went around, laid hands on everybody, got right up on people. And I never went once left my house and thought to myself, oh man, I need to be careful today. I might catch that, catch that virus. Like I, I never thought, I can't identify with that. I can't identify with that. I can't identify, you know, I've never looked I've never looked at the economy and just been like, oh man, I don't know what we're gonna do, this economy. This economy's just looking rough, recession, man. I, I can't even, I'm being very honest with you, I can't even identify with those thoughts. <laughs> it's like, it's not, in my, it's not in my universe. I never think about it. I never think about it. I've never looked at a gas price. Like that's why I, that's why I can't get, get that. Like, you know, I hear preachers talk about it on, on you know, uh, online and in their pulpits and like, you know, how many know the gas prices are going? Like, I, I can't even identify. Like, I've never looked at the price of gas, like on a sign, like, oh my goodness, the gas prices. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. This better change quickly. Like, I don't care if, if a, a carton of eggs is $10. I don't care. I, I don't, I, I can't, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to put myself in that mindset. I can't even, I can't even fathom it. I can't even fathom it. It's like, it's, it's not even in my universe. And so I'm definitely not going to connect myself with people that live that way. And they're like, oh, brother, did you see this? You see what I, I don't, I don't have anybody that does that. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't even have anybody. If there's, if there's anybody that would even try to like text me like that, they would either get the message because I never respond to their text messages or I would just block their number. I don't have time for that. Listening to people complain, do you hear what the government's doing? Do you hear what they said? It's like, uh, no, and I don't care. I, I honestly don't care. Amen. Because what God's going to do, he's going to do because of our faith, not because of the government or the economy or the culture. That's why I say those things all the time, because it doesn't compute. Your friends need to be faith-filled. Remember the man on the mat. He was paralyzed. We could say he was a quadriplegic. Couldn't go anywhere, but he had friends. And the Bible says his friends were filled with faith and they grabbed his mat and carried him to where Jesus was. You know why? Because he didn't just believe Jesus could heal him. His friends believed it too. And when they got to the house and it was too full and they couldn't get in, you know what they did? 
They climbed up on the roof, which means he didn't just need to go to another level. His friends needed to go to another level. If I'm going to keep, and you're going to keep changing levels, ever increasing faith, ever increasing, guess what? You need friends that are also willing to change levels. That's why the further you go in life increasing like that, the the less people are going to be able to hang with you because they're not willing to go higher. They're just not willing. His friends were. They tore the roof off and they lowered him down to Jesus. And do you know what the Bible says? And when Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, all of their faith, that means he had faith and the friends did too. And Jesus healed him in response to all their faith. Praise God. Praise God. So my friends need to be saved. They need to be purposed. They need to be faith filled. And you know what? I don't care if anybody thinks that I'm like too, um, oh, you're just, you're just way too particular. Think what you want. Think what you want. But the people that run with me are champions. They're champions. I'm not going to have a champion mindset and have defeatist friends. I refuse to have a champion mindset and have defeatist friends. The people that run with me are champions. And so I, I, I don't care what people think about that. Oh, he's so particular. He has no time for you know, people that have. No, I don't have time for that. It's not that I don't love people. I do love people. But I, just because you love people doesn't mean you have to spend all your time with everybody. You can love them. You can love them from afar. You can pray for them. You can ask God to touch them, bless them. That doesn't mean you spend all your time with them, obviously. And so people that run with me, and you should be the same. People that run with you are champions. They don't have time for defeatist mentality. So my my friends are going to be faith-filled friends. That if I need God to touch me or I'm believing for a miracle, the friends that I have will be like, yeah, man, it's going to happen. It's coming to pass quickly in Jesus' name. Amen. Number four, fourth filter that you need to have on your friends. Your friends need to be controlled. Now, I don't mean you need to control your friends. I mean, they need to exhibit control in their life. They need to exhibit control. Nothing worse than having a bunch of friends that don't have any self-control. They are literally operating against the Bible's command to walk by the Spirit, have the fruit of the Spirit active. They need to be controlled. They need to control themselves. You don't need to control them. They need to control themselves. They must exhibit control. I can't have people. I talked about one of the signs of a fool is that they're just always mad all the time. Always mad all the time. They can't, they can't control it. They can't control it. They're always mad all the time. All, you know, there are things that you can control. You say, well, you can't control com- depression, brother. It's a chemical imbalance. Oh, no, you can control it. Any Christian believes you can control that because depression, heaviness, is a a spiritual thing at its root, at its core. I'm not saying it doesn't manifest as a chemical imbalance. I'm not saying those things aren't uh, trackable or traceable through modern medicine. I'm not saying that. I'm saying at its core, at its root, it's a spiritual issue. And the Bible says that you can get into the presence of God where there's fullness of joy You can put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There are things you can do. You can control it, and then you can literally walk in freedom. And if you're you're run by your emotions, it's because you can't control it. And you need to control it. You need to control it. That is a lack of control. 
And it's, it's going against the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that, uh, it's obviously because it's not the fruit of the flesh, it's not the fruit of the soul, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And so you have to control it. And if, if you've got people, you know as well as I do, you've got people that there's all kinds of areas of their, of their life they can't control. Or they, or, it's not that, the, I, I should change that. It's not that they can't, I should say that they won't control. Let me, let me change that. It's not that they can't, they can. It's that they refuse to control it. They refuse to control it. And I'm not picking on people because of, uh, you know, anything that may be happening in their life. But, but let me say something to you. You don't accidentally become 400 pounds. You don't accidentally become 400 pounds. That's a total lack of control. You refuse to control yourself. And a lot of times because people don't have value in themselves. They don't have value. That's why people emotionally eat. They don't, because they don't see the value in their, the health of their own body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not coming against you if you are overweight. According to the BMI calculator, I'm overweight. According to the BMI, BMI calculator, I'm morbidly obese. I'm supposed to be like 50 pounds. That BMI calculator is so accurate. But you don't, listen to me, you don't accidentally become 400 pounds. It's a, a total refusal to control yourself. And it's the same thing with anything else in your life. Because all of those things, you have to say the Holy Spirit's not able to empower you to change. That's what those people have to say, oh, I can't change it. You can change it. It's not your thyroid. It's not your thyroid. Right? And, I, and I, I'm just being very honest about these things. So I'm angry. You know, there's stuff that happened to me in my life. There's stuff that happened to me in my life that I had no control over. And now I'm angry about it. Okay? Stop being angry. It's not that easy, brother. I didn't say it was easy. I said, stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop doing that. Do what the Bible says that will keep you out of anger and into peace and into joy. There's steps. And I need friends that are controlled. I need friends that are controlled, right? Because if not, your whole life is going to go into a place that's out of control. You don't want out of control creeping into your life, your household. You don't want that. So you need friends that are controlled. You know, if I, if I got somebody that, that lives that way, I, I'll excuse myself. That's fine. You can go be out of control by yourself. You can go be out of control by yourself. That's not mean, but if you won't correct yourself, let me tell you, what if there was a guy that in your office, of course he'd be fired, but what if they didn't fire him? What if there was a guy in your office that every day he came in just so irritated and almost every day, once a day, he either cussed everyone out or ended up smacking people around. He'd punch somebody every day. Every day, punch somebody. Every day, he's cussing everybody out. Well, of course, in, in, real, in the real world, he'd be fired after cussing people out all the time. But, but what if they didn't fire him? Are you going to continue to be like, you know what? I'm going to keep hanging with him. He's a good guy. No, people will keep their distance. People will keep their distance. And it doesn't even take that much of an outburst like I just described for people to keep their distance. People will keep their distance from others if they just have that kind of an attitude. 
Just that people will just keep naturally keep their distance. What are they, they don't want to be around uncontrollable people. They don't want to be around that, and neither do I. And so my friends need to be controlled. Number five, fifth thing, my friends need to be generous. I don't want stingy people around me in any way, shape, or form. I've got nothing in common with those types of people. Nothing in common with them. The Bible teaches generosity in all areas. Blessing others, blessing the poor, blessing the church, blessing the men of God, blessing each other. Right? Galatians chapter 6, as I dealt with yesterday, isn't it interesting that Paul said, not only should we be a blessing, but listen to this. Galatians 6 and verse 10. Listen to Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone and especially those who are in the household of faith. Amen. If you're a Christian that goes out to eat and you only have enough money to go out to eat and you don't tip your waitress or you tip her poorly, you need to stop going out to eat. You're a stain on the body of Christ. You are a stain on the body of Christ. If you're stingy behind. That's why... If you, if you talk to people in the service industry, they don't want to wait on Christians on Sunday afternoon because Christians are cheap. Christians are cheap. You're a stain on the body of Christ. Sitting there in your little suit and dress and whatever, talking about church, and your waitress hears you, and talking about how, how powerful service was today. And then you, you give some little tiny $2 tip. You're a stain on the body of Christ. That's stingy spirit. And that's what people, people hate that. People hate that. We go to a place, uh, and I make a point to do this. I, we go to a place almost every Sunday, and uh, there's 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 bus like bus. I don't like to call them bus boys because they're not boys, but there's bus men. <laughs> they got promoted from bus boy to bus man. <laughs> there's bus men in that place, and and listen, I'll I'll put cash in their hand every time I go in there, every time. Every time. And let me tell you what happens. People like that, it opens the door. Because now they come up to me every time they see me. Hey, uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth, how you doing? You, you doing good? How's everything with your family? Yeah, well, what happened? They're not avoiding me, are they? No. So, well, you can't buy. It's not, it's not about that. But generosity opens the door to people's hearts. Opens the door to people's hearts. Amen. It's like Dr. Lester Summerall talking about people that he was feeding overseas. It's a whole lot easier to listen to the gospel message after you've got a full belly of food. It's a lot harder to sit there and focus on the gospel message when you're starving. So let me be generous first. Let me bless you. Let me feed you. Let me provide for you. And then let me tell you how good Jesus is. Amen. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You do not need to stick around with stingy, tight-wad people. Ugh, I hate even the feeling of that. Ugh, makes me sick. I can't stand when people are even stingy with their stuff. That's why I like to eat, if I'm going to eat at someone's house, I like to eat with, like, Italians, (laughs) Puerto Ricans. I like to eat... I like to eat at people's houses where they make so much food, it's like they're trying to give you diabetes. 
I'm saying this after I said the thing about being overweight. I, I, I want to eat with somebody that, like they're offended you didn't eat more. And there's so much food. I remember the first time I ever went to a, um, an Italian family dinner. And it was like a Sunday dinner. And I sat down and they brought out the first thing, which I thought was dinner. I thought that, I thought that was dinner. And I'm looking, I was like, man, this is such good stuff. And I'm like piling it on my plate and just like tearing the food up. And they're all looking at me like I'm, I'm an insane person because they knew that wasn't all that's coming. And then the second course came out. That was like the antipasta and all the meats and the cheeses that were cold and the salad and the stuff. And I was tearing it up. Then they brought out the second course and all the pastas came out. And I was like, hold on, <laughs> hold on a second. There's pasta too. And then I was tearing the pasta up. They're all looking at me like I'm crazy. And then they brought the meats out and the meats came out and I'm eating the meat. And then there's more. And then there's like, and then there's dessert at the end. And they're mad that you didn't have, uh, you know, cannolis and, you know, and, and wedding cake and, and espresso. And it's like, dude, I've been eating for like four hours. I've been eating for four hours. And it's like, you know, generous, just generous, generous, generous. I've been, uh, I've been to places too where it's like, you know, you come out and there's like six people at dinner and a meatloaf this big comes out on the table <laughs> that they're going to slice up. It's like, where's everybody else's food? Because I'll eat that by myself. Don't make too much. You don't want to waste. You don't want to waste. I would rather there be more than enough so that people eat to the full and there's overflow, right? I'm just talking about little, little things. Stingy versus generous. My friends are generous. I run with champions. They're generous people. They're generous people. Number six, sixth filter. Your friends need to be consistent. Your friends need to be consistent. So vital. Your friends need to be consistent. I can't stand the ups and downs of inconsistency. You know, not faithful. They're not faithful. They're not it's just total inconsistency all the time. Doing this, then doing that, then doing this, then doing that. I show up, I don't show up. You never know if I'm going to be there. My word's not really good. I can't, I can't deal with inconsistency like that. My friends are consistent people. The Miracle Word team, we're consistent people. I mean, I, I wouldn't even put anybody on the team that's not like this. We're consistent people. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right? He just got done talking about the power of the resurrection of Christ. And then he said, therefore, because of Christ's resurrection, because of the power that uh, Christ has and the fact that he defeated death. And now that we have the victory through Jesus Christ, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfast. Doesn't matter where you find me. I'm still be pushing. You can come back. You can go back. And if you could go back in time and check on me, I was going hard in the kingdom 20 years ago. Come check me 20 years later. That's now. I'm still going hard in the kingdom. If Jesus tarries, come check me 20 years from now. I'll still be going hard at 60. Check me hard at 80 years old. So you're not going to be retired? I'm going to still be going for the kingdom. If Jesus hasn't come. Steadfast, immovable, moving forward. Moving forward. 
Don't get weary in well-doing. Stay consistent. Keep on going. And number seven, seventh filter that you need to have on your friends, they need to be honorable. That's number seven. They need to be honorable. You know, for even for our church, I don't have one up here, I don't think, but we put out the, cult, the Miracle Word Church Culture Guide. And the Miracle Word Church Culture Guide has nine things that we define as our culture in the church. One of those is honor. My friends need to be honorable, not just toward God, toward others. Honorable toward others. Let me read to you um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. Listen to this. The Bible says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Listen to that. Honor everyone. I'm not just nice to people that are Christians. I'm nice to everyone. I'll honor them. I'll treat them with respect. I'll speak to them respectfully. Amen. It's like, what are you going to do with people that live like that? Well, I'll, I'll be, you know what? I'll honor those that honor Jesus. Okay, so what are you going to do? Every time somebody comes up to you in a restaurant, at the mall, wherever you're at, you're going to be like, now hold on, are you a Christian? Because if not, I'm ready to give you the left foot of fellowship. Right? And so it's very important. It's very important that we honor everybody. Let me give you, before I pray for you, let me give you Romans 12, 10. Write this down in your notes, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. This will help people so much to get this in your spirit. Don't be destroyed because you got the wrong people in your life. Know that you're more valuable than that. Know that you're more valuable than that. Look at Romans 12, 10. I love this verse of scripture. The Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now catch this outdo one another in showing honor. What a massive command that is. What a massive command to outdo one another. That means we're in competition. <laughs> we are in competition. I'm going to out honor you. Doesn't matter how much honor you show me, I'm going to show you more honor than that. Outdo one another in showing honor. Means you go out of your way to honor. You go out of your way to honor. I love it. Um, one of the men on our, on our uh, Miracle Word uh, board is Pastor Brian Wright in uh, North Carolina. And I, I shared this on the, um, on the broadcast. There's another wonderful pastor and his wife in that same part of North Carolina, Pastor Steve and Sherry Barbie. And um, uh, Pastor Steve uh, was going to drive with Pastor Brian to my father's camp meeting in West Virginia. So Pastor Brian went to pick him up at his house, and when he got there, uh, if you know Pastor Steve, you know he likes a good ice-cold Coca-Cola. And um, so Pastor Steve was coming out of his garage, didn't know that Pastor Brian had set this up, but Pastor Brian rolled the red carpet out for Pastor Steve to come to the car, and he was standing there uh, outside of the garage, and he had a towel over his arm like a waiter, and he had a platter with, a, with an ice-cold Coca-Cola waiting for Pastor Steve as he came out. You know, just, just to honor him. You know, he'd been, he's been doing work for the kingdom uh, in that part of North Carolina, I believe, for over 50 years, maybe, maybe close to 60 years. Just been faithful to the kingdom, faithful to the Lord. And Pastor Brian, uh, being the younger pastor, he said, I'm going to honor him 
today as he comes out. And uh, something that just would make him smile, make him laugh, but also he enjoys a good Coca-Cola. But just to honor, I'm going to outdo one another. Outdo one another. That's what the Bible says, in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. And that's the key. Honor one another. I don't want dishonorable friends. I don't want dishonorable friends. They treat others with dishonor. I don't want that. I want honorable people around me. Again, I want people that are saved. I want people that are purposed. I want people that are faith-filled. I want people that are controlled. I want people that are generous. I want people that are consistent. I want people that are honorable. If you'll just put those parameters, literally, just put those parameters in your life for your friends, watch, it's funny, watch how um, drama just floats out. Watch how drama just floats out of your life. It's gone. What a miracle. Just vanished. By, as by some unseen force carrying it away. Yeah. Because you, it, the, these parameters will not allow it to remain in your life. It's a wonderful thing. Now, I'm going to pray that the Lord strengthens you today because uh, I can't stress enough how important you are in the kingdom. I cannot stress it enough. You're a vital member of God's kingdom. Father... I pray for every person that's watching me today, those that are listening. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them a conviction about this, but strengthen them and give them boldness to actually employ this in their life. And even though it feels hard sometimes to make separations and people don't like confrontation, give us strength, give us authority, and give us boldness in the mighty name of Jesus to live like this so that we can accomplish our purpose and help others to accomplish their purpose with efficiency that will be very effective and impactful in the kingdom of God. We thank you for that. We give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.